Hey everybody, it's Mackenzie Johnson and Lori Cordles here from the Science of Parenting team. This season we have been talking a lot about the research behind typically developing kids and child development. But we want to slow down for a minute and we want to talk a little about the reality of having a child who may not be meeting milestones at the rate that we discuss. So we're fortunate we have a little bit of experience and expertise here on our team. And so, Lori, will you just tell us a little about your own experience? I will. And this isn't an episode that we actually had planned, but as we were doing the episodes, I just kept saying to myself, but what about me? Because I do have a child that didn't meet those milestones. And along the way, we found out that she does have a diagnosable disability. And so each episode, I kept thinking about my two children that were meeting the milestones and the child that didn't meet those milestones. And I thought, oh, I want to talk to these parents who might have some of these same feelings about what happens when our child doesn't meet those milestones. So here we are, right? I was like, yeah. So, I mean, it is, you know, we always talk about balancing research and reality and we've been talking about a lot of the research, like, yes. And that some, you know, I, you know, am a parent of two typically developing kids. And so my reality can look a little different. And so I just, yeah, we want, we want to share that reality that looks different for everybody, but yeah, I'm just exactly willing to share. I am. And, um, I did also check with my child to make sure that she was okay with me sharing. Um, and so, you know, she's 21 now and she's very open about, um, the abilities that she has and what she can do and her experiences along the way. And so I think that we have been sharing a little bit more about our journey together. So, all right. You asked me any questions you have. Okay. Well, I do have a few. So one, can you just give us, you know, just like the really quick rundown of kind of what your experience has been generally or, um, of a parent with, of a parent of a child with special needs? Sure. Absolutely. And, and I think that one thing to mention is that all abilities, disabilities, different abilities are unique. And so my experience with a particular disability is not going to be the same experience across the board. And so what I really want to get to is those feelings that I had as a parent, Mm -hmm. those questions that I had as a parent um, that might be universal to when our children don't reach certain milestones. So not specifically talking about a disability, but more about those questions and feelings and thoughts I had when I realized that my child wasn't meeting those milestones. And that was kind of early on, you know, as an infant and a toddler. So that second episode where we talked about infant milestones, I began to question, "Mm, you know, she's not rolling over yet. She's not uh, starting to crawl. She's not sitting up. And I would, I would ask other people, I was, oh gosh, you know, I'm an early childhood um, background, studied, you know, went to college to learn about early childhood. And so I had these resources at my fingertips back in the early 2000s. And I kept re- I kept looking at them and thinking, okay, am I just being an, you know, an overprotective early childhood mom because my second child isn't meeting the same milestones as my first child? Or should I really be asking professionals these questions? And that was a huge struggle. And so 
you know, as she continued to not meet milestones through her toddler years, I kept asking questions. And, and I would have people say to me, oh, Lori, you know, it's just, she's just different from your first child because her delays weren't so obviously significant. There was just something. And my mom's gut kept saying, hmm. And I kept wishing she would do a certain milestone. I wish she would walk yet. Do you walk yet? Can you walk yet? Should we practice walking? Oh, she hated practicing walking. Yeah. And so those questions came up right away, but I just couldn't put my finger on it. And it was early 2000. They're just, I didn't feel like I had all the resources at my fingertips that we have now. And it was also, I wasn't confident in my ability and my parenting ability. My children were two and a half and, you know, a newborn or three and just barely one. And so I just was questioning a lot, lots of questions. Definitely. You know, and so it sounds like there was some stuff you observed, you know, what a lot of times we use that term like red flags, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, some stuff like that and some well-intended people, right. Who intended, right. The intention was to comfort you. um, Yes. But yeah. Yes. That maybe yes. wasn't how that played out for you. Um, go ahead. Yeah. It, it wasn't. You're right. They definitely were well-intentioned and they were in my professional field of early childhood. And so yes. they would look at their rules and the rules said, if a child isn't doing X by X, then we have a conversation. And mm-hmm. so, you know, she just wasn't quite to that magic X. <laughs> yes. Yes. Even though my gut was saying something's not right. Something's not right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you did you, using those skills of like observation and yeah, you had more knowledge than maybe average Joe, like average parent, um, but still had those concerns, but weren't sure. And so who did you ask? Like, how did you move forward? You know, what kind of resources were you able to utilize? I did a lot of asking of my peers. Like I said, I do have an early childhood background, but those people were working in the school district. So the public school district that was closest to me, um, there is a program in every state that reaches out to families who have children younger than school age. So it might be called um, a birth to three program, or it might be called um, an early childhood program. Um, But the school district has that information about how do we help parents who have questions about their child who's younger than school age. And in most cases, it's zero to age three. Um, the, The community public health department might be able to help parents find that resource in their community. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now we have great searchable engines on the yeah. internet. And so, you know, it's just that idea that if your child is below the age of three, it's a different resource than the school district, but the school district will be able to help you find it. Yes. That they'll know, you know, it's maybe not them, you know, offering the services and help, but that they'll know who is. Correct. And your family, your family doctor, your family healthcare provider, um, they also should be able to help you find that resource. And again, ask lots of questions. Keep asking if that, if that inner mom voice, inner dad voice, inner parent voice, you're the caregiver of that child. You're the child care provider. If that inner voice is saying, I have questions, I have questions. I have questions. 
-hmm. then keep asking the questions. Keep asking. Well, we always say we believe as parents that we're the ex like that we're the experts on our kids. And we believe that about our listeners, right? That like, Mm -hmm. you know, your kids, (laughs) absolutely. Yeah. Like you said, like your mom gut or your parent gut um, asking and keep seeking help. Yes. And when we started to do the episode on school age or Mm -hmm. that middle and late childhood, that became a really big aha moment for me that yes, my child had identified delays. I did find the birth to three program in my area. I did have her um, receive some services. She got to have some um, speech therapy. She got to have some physical therapy with her walking and her gross motor, large muscles. Um, She even got to have some occupational therapy, which is kind of those self-help skills of eating, helping yourself get dressed. And, and so when we got to the school age where in our episode, we talk a lot about mastery. Ooh, those parent feelings of, did I do enough for her as a toddler, as an infant, as a preschooler? Because now she's really struggling with that mastery of some of those things. She's struggling with social skills, with friend groups, with, you know, how to get involved, where to belong. And, oh, the mom guilt, the parent guilt, the feelings of, did I ask enough questions? Did I get her enough help? Really began to surface. And then it became more pronounced to others as well. You know, why, why doesn't she fit into those friend groups as well? Why doesn't she want to play with my child? Why doesn't she understand those rules of engagement when it comes to playing together? Yes. You know, that's when I began to really uh, be very self-conscious about the things I was doing for her, with her. I began to explain to others about her temperament at that time was what I was really relying on because I still didn't have a name for what was going on. There wasn't an identified diagnosis at that time. And so the idea that, okay, I have to help her by explaining her temperament to others was what Mm -hmm. I really relied on at that time. Absolutely. And as I'm hearing you describe this, it's something similar that with like a family friend that we've had the, the passage of time. Like you yes. talk about having questions like as an infant and the, like how much time has passed where you still don't have like a clear answer. It's just really jumping out at me though. Like that's a lot of time as a parent to spend, I don't want to say in turmoil, but like, like wondering and doubting and questioning. Mm-hmm. Um, It's a good word. Turmoil is a good word. You know, this is the science of parenting. And, and I think as, as we've talked about the child's milestones, there's been this, this nudge in me that says, but tell them how it felt as a parent, but tell them how it felt. um, The doubt, the, the research says this, but the reality of my parental doubt was this, the reality of my parental questioning was this. And so, yes, as the delays as the disabilities become more obvious to others because your child is now out in public more, they're out in school more. There's a lot more that you're internally turmoiling about. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Well, yeah, you make a great point. Like we're the science of parenting, like, Mm -hmm. and you know, and I feel like so often we talk about the experience of our children with special needs and of all the things that go into, you know, taking care of that and meeting those demands and all those things of, you know, 
like taking care of our kids, but you're like, you're a whole person yourself. You mm-hmm. know, I'm like, as a parent, it's not like, yeah, you're having an experience of supporting a child with special needs and you're a whole person with feelings and experiences and knowledge and temperament and Oof, all so of much. it. I yes. think that when we were doing season two and we were talking about, um, you know, the, the superpowers of parenting, yes. I wasn't, I wasn't sure how to approach the idea of the superpowers of, of, of parenting a child with special needs <laughs> yes. because we hadn't, we hadn't provided all that background about milestones, but you, you are a superpower when it comes to your child's advocate and going back to season two and listening to those episodes. If you have a child with different ab- abilities is super important because those episodes really allowed me to say, hey, you know what? Those feelings I had were valid. Those needs I had as a parent during that time and still continuing. I know even, you know, I said she's 21. And even last week, I was reaching out to you asking you to remind me of my skills as a parent because I was having a moment regarding doubt and guilt and concern over, am I doing a good enough job as the parent of a child with special needs. And so it is, it's, it's a lifelong journey, right? Yeah. Yes. And I think of the, like, yeah, you're bringing up the season two content that we talked about, like self-care and the parenting load and sharing that load and all of those things. I'm like, there's an extra category mm-hmm. in so many of those ways. Like when it comes to parenting a child with special needs in terms of the parenting load, right? navigating like appointments and therapy and mm. the ad yeah yeah having to have these tough conversations and I'm a person who doesn't like conflict like <laughs> it's the self-care I need to do afterwards after I feel like I've had conflict and yeah like and so tapping into those self-care superpowers for sure and yeah so is there any I guess like words of wisdom advice I mean some people might say you're on the other side right like you have a child mm. who is a young adult um yeah, just mm. what? what was yes, you, I'm going to have to start to say I have two children launched in our interview. Yeah, we're going to intro introduction. Intro. Yes, yeah, so I'm going to have to change the intro. Um, so I often reflect on the meetings that we've had with school district, um, my co-parent and I, the conversations we've had with her support persons with our friends, with our family, Mm -hmm. there are, you know, articles about her specific disability that I keep at my fingertips to share with others, to share with her teachers, to share with the, the people who have befriended her, right? Mm -hmm. Because social relationships happen to be difficult with her disability. And so those types of resources I have felt I've needed to be her advocate, her voice. And what I reflect on is I have an early childhood background. Like I have this educational background and I struggle. I have struggled. I have turmoil. I have doubt. I can't imagine what it feels like to be a parent who doesn't have that in their back pocket. And so I reach out to all those parents as much as I can personally, and maybe even through this venue to say, you can do this. 
but you can't do it alone. And I think I tried for so long to do it alone because I thought I had to. And about five months ago, my child is 21. And five months ago, I had a professional say to me, why did you try to do it alone? And I said, I don't have an answer for that. And she said, as you share your message, because I know you are, as you share your message, could you maybe make that be the number one rule? <laughs> okay, yes. Okay. You don't yeah. have to do this alone. Yeah. And I, I had to. Um, I didn't realize there were so many people, places, um, supports that I did have. And I and it was my own guilt, I think, that kept me from reaching out. And so I would encourage you. Um you know, to reach out and be brave enough somehow, even if it's to just email us parenting at science yeah. at, wait, parenting at iasta.edu and say, I feel alone. You know, like yes. I'm committed to helping people find resources. I, I, I can't be that resource for everyone, but I will help find resources so that you don't have to go this alone. And, mm-hmm. you know, you need that inner circle of people that will tell you, nope, you ain't doing this alone. Nope. You know, you were that person for me last week. <laughs> like, no, so you don't have- We've been able to toss that ball back and forth a few times, support yeah. each other on this journey. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, yes. But so yeah, we- I think that's our message. Yes, that's our message is it, no matter if your child is reaching milestones when they should, when you think they should, and when they don't, you don't have to parent alone. You don't have to parent alone. There are lots and lots of places, peoples, peoples and things who are willing to help you parent yes. together. We've got a whole, we're fortunate in Iowa to have, you know, some of the resources that we do have to tap into. And so, yes, if you email us, we'd love to connect you, especially if you're in Iowa um, with some of the supports that we know are available out there for sure. And so, yeah, this was just kind of a little bonus, I guess you could say, a little reality. Um, We didn't feel like it was fair. I should say Lori. Lori really brought it to light because I don't want credit where it's due. Lori (laughs) helped bring it to light that not every parent has the same reality related to these milestones and whether our kids are typical, typically developing a little late or maybe delayed, you know, that it, you know, there's a difference. And so that everyone has a different reality. And we kind of chose not to take a research, you know, usually we do the research approach, but we know every diagnosis is different and we're, mm-hmm. you know, there can be research on many diagnoses, but chose to kind of look at this reality that we have here. So thanks again, Lori. You're welcome. Yeah. So please do come along with us uh, as we continue through this season on development, uh, but come along as a with us as we tackle the ups and downs, the ins and outs, and the research and reality all around the science of parenting. The Science of Parenting is hosted by Lori Kothals and Mackenzie Johnson, produced by Mackenzie DeYoung, with research and writing by Barbara Dunn Swanson. Send in questions and comments to parenting at iastate.edu and connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. This institution is an equal opportunity provider. For the full non-discrimination statement or accommodation inquiries, go to www.extension.iastate.edu slash diversity slash ext.